Welcome to the Faith Element Podcast for the June 26, 2022 session, focusing on Psalm chapter 77, verses 1 through 2 and 11 through 20. Inconsolable. I'm David Cassidy. I'm Nikki Hardiman. I'm Daniel Glaze. And I'm Burt Montgomery. So springtime, I guess we're really in summer now, right? But <laughs> um, with the way weather is changing lately, um, it, it's often a really interesting season because this time of year, you know, you're transitioning from the weather where you have the storms, uh, the springtime storms that can t- churn out, you know, severe thunderstorms and uh, can can churn out uh, tornadoes and other things we don't want, but they're fascinating. And then, of course, hurricane season is just now getting underway good. I'm wondering how much of a weather watcher each of you are. I used to be much more than I am now. Uh, growing up in around Louisiana, I mean, you know, surrounded by water, the, the lake, the gulf, and the river. And watching storms come across is just, it was just amazing. And um, yeah, I loved, and then when I would go uh, to the woods in Mississippi to visit my grandparents out in the woods, and you just sit and watch storms come across the trees. And I love to watch lightning and hear the thunder and all that stuff. But now I just kind of, I, I don't make time to do it. I wish I did though. There's something relaxing, you know, on my, my phone, when I go to sleep at night, I have thunderstorms as part of the relaxing noise, right? <laughs> well, in Mississippi, there are probably plenty of those yeah, actually occurring. <laughs> Every other night, I don't need to use my phone. Yeah. So I'm not much of a weather watcher. I, I just, I mean, it's, it's one of those not a whole lot I can do anything about. I don't work outside. It's not, it doesn't, as long as I remember to have an umbrella in my car, I'm, I'm okay. I know other folks, they, they, they need to know what the weather is going to be like that day. And I just, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't play into my preparation for the day or anything. Um, now if, if like strong storms are coming, you know, I want to be prepared and type loose stuff in the yard. But other than that, not a big deal. I don't know. I usually check the temperature, but that's because where I live, it can <clears throat> be 50 one day and then 90 the next. Mm-hmm. So it just helps to know. Um, so I usually remember to check the temperature when I wake up in the morning. Um, but but that's about it as far as being prepared. But I, I wasn't I was confused by your question because I went in that direction thinking I'm not a really big weather watcher, but I am like Bert. I love to watch a storm. I love to watch lightning. Um, I love, like if hail falls, I love to go look at it. Um, I mean, after, obviously. I'm not going to go get plunked in the head. Um, I like to watch lightning from the safety of indoors. So yeah, I I enjoy, I love a good rainbow. So yeah, I enjoy that part of watching the weather. But as far as... I just got to know what the temperature is going to be <laughs> so I know what to wear. Well, if you're curious, uh, here in Kentucky, we have a heat wave coming in middle of the week next week. Temperature is up near 100. Mm. For us, it's pretty hot. <laughs> it's hot. Yeah, but then there'll be some rain coming in later in the week to cool us off a little bit. That tells us what you are. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so I have I have no less than six weather apps on my phone. Oh, my. Say, David, what's the dew point today? <laughs> 
Six? Why? No, because I, there's no one app that I found that does everything really well. So I have two different radar apps, Doppler radar, that gives me different kinds of information. <laughs> I know it's terrible, but I, I just love I love you, all the data. And I mean this with you all have to love. have a phone just for your weather apps. I know. Like I mean this with all love. You are the geekiest geek I know. <laughs> like you, when you geek out on something, <laughs> you <laughs> go full force, I, and I, I am here for it. I love it. <laughs> It is one of the most endearing things about you. Six weather apps. Six weather apps. Okay. So one of the weather apps is called Carrot. And if you have a chance to, to load it on your phone, it will ask you early on in the, the process. I mean, it's hugely configurable. But the most important setting is the level of snark. So, <laughs> so no, it, you could set it all the way from nice, cheerful, all the way to where it insults you with each Downloading one. now. <laughs> it's it's so much fun. <laughs> so it's carrot anyway. like the vegetable. Yeah, like the, the vegetable. root vegetable. Yeah, yeah. So I'm getting it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and immediately it's going to be on snark. It's it will be, be snark. highest level of snark possible. <laughs> See, you're going to be sucked into this whole. I'm just. I'm getting thing. before I know it. I'm going to have six weather apps. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Oh, well, um, whether or not you're a weather watcher, uh, we do have a psalm today that, that actually references the weather a, a good bit. Am I right, Bert? It does. It does. <laughs> but I'm not going to talk about no. that part of the psalm very much. <laughs> well, there's a lot in there to talk about. So uh, why don't you go ahead and help us uh, get started with the part of it you want to focus on? Okay. All right. <sighs> my first sentence is already a downer. Sorry. I was 17 years old and a senior in high school when my cousin Jeff was killed in a car wreck on Christmas Eve. Now, Jeff was the oldest of all my cousins. He was six years older than me, and I had idolized him since I was just a little kid. Had my parents let me, I would have dropped out of school over Christmas break. Did I say I was a senior? I was a bit of an honor student at that. Though barely. I mean, I always had much greater interest in things outside formal education. You can ask any of my high school teachers, college teachers, and yes, unfortunately, my seminary professors. Sorry, President Cassidy. But yeah, I was ready not to go back for my last semester of my senior year of high school. And I was absolutely miserable for several weeks, a few months going into that last stretch of high school. And I did as little as I possibly could in each of my classes every day. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when the Dementors descend upon this poor soul in the Harry Potter novels, and every single memory of happiness is suddenly sucked out of you with the power of one of those car wash vacuums. Yeah, that was me. I was, as the writer of our 77th Psalm says, inconsolable. I refused, all caps, bold-faced, underlined, italicized, exclamation point, refused to be comforted. Now, again, like the psalmist, I cried out to God. Sometimes I was screaming as loud as I could, audibly with my voice, more often without a sound, but from deep in the depths of my soul. And I think those screams are even more intense. I had retreated into the cave of my own darkness, and like the pro prophet Elijah, 
when I did reach out to God, I was begging God just to let me die. Now, I don't know, but I suspect, I suspect that maybe so did the psalmist. And those are the cries that he cried. Some of the greatest spiritual harm that well-meaning people of faith cause are by simply patting someone on the shoulder reassuringly and saying, just reach out to God and you will be comforted. Because sometimes we may reach out, but no, oh no, we absolutely will not be comforted. Thank you very much. I'm convinced that the psalmist knew such pain. I'm convinced that this is the pain from which the 77th Psalm eventually arises. Psalms like this one, stories like that of Elijah, oh, and that passage from Jeremiah, the one about the deep cry of of, of anguish and bitter weeping, of Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted. We need to remember these. Because if you've ever been in such pain, or you have sat with a wife whose husband died suddenly, leaving her with two young boys, or witnessed a mother who has just had to bury her baby because of the deliberate and absolutely preventable irresponsibility of a government or some corporation, then you know what refusing to be comforted means. And you know that screaming at God from the pit of your stomach with every ounce of energy from your whole body is a part of that very honest, very real, very raw pain. I am forever grateful that we have these biblical reminders that God's love is more than big enough to give us space and freedom to scream out of our out to scream out from our depths and that God never abandons us or leaves us even when we tell him to. Like the best of parents, God gives us the time we need alone in our rooms after we have just slammed the door in God's face. I know we have several more verses to get to in today's text, some of which deal with the weather, but I think we have a tendency to spend too much time on the latter verses and not enough honest time with the first two, because the first two are very unpleasant and very uncomfortable, and we want to read them and then move on to the happier parts. But they are honest, and they are true. Kicking and screaming and cursing and wailing and wishing we were dead is all part of the human experience. And so is someone going through that pain, telling someone trying to help us feel better, okay, fine, you drop dead, and please do it now. There are aspects of healthy grieving productive grieving, honest grieving, and healthy, productive, honest grieving leads to the genuine awe and the genuine wonder and joy that does come later. A few months, maybe? A few years? Decades? The deeper the grief and the deeper the pain, the greater the awe when it does come. The more paralyzing the mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, 
the more paralyzing the morning, the more lively the dancing that will follow. It's only after we've screamed, I hate you with every single ounce of energy in our bodies plus some, and slam that door and slump down in the corner of the closet of our room, only hours after hours or days of journeying through that deepest, darkest valley alone that we begin to notice the clearing up ahead and little bit of light breaking through the thick trees. Only after, only after diving head first to get to the very bottom do we begin to really make our way back up and appreciate the top. Only then do we begin to remember the better and the best moments of life so far that have always been there. Only then does the child begin to catch glimpses of how great her mother really is and how much joy in life her mother has shared with her. Only then does a child realize what he would have missed out on if his father was not the kind of good father that he was. Only then does the child, exhausted, frightened, full of sadness and perhaps some remorse, still a bit angry, but not as angry, gently open their bedroom door and peek out to see if their parent did run away like they told them to, or are overcome with tears. And they are overcome with tears when they look out and see their parent just patiently waiting for them with their arms wide open. It's kind of like that scene, not really, but it's kind of like that scene when the young girl Elle and the sort of father figure Sheriff Hopper in Stranger Things. <laughs> I assume everybody is watching Stranger Things, right? Right? All right, well, it's sort of like when Elle and her sort of father figure get back together and cry in each other's arms after both had exploded in rage and ripped each other apart and ran away from each other. Only then do we begin to appreciate just how deep God's love is for us, how wide God's mercy is, how big is God's embrace. And then we begin to remember, oh yeah, you know, I've always known this. Didn't we feel the mountains tremble? Of course we did. Didn't we feel the whole earth shake and rumble and hear the skies thunder and watch the seas move all so easily by God's mere presence? Yes, of course we did. Didn't we remember how through each and every upheaval, and maybe through this one too, God is making a way forward? Well, um, maybe no, we didn't remember. And no, we won't remember. Not until. As we ponder the 77th Psalm, I ask that we take some time to pause and reflect on moments when we have been with someone who was inconsolable, or maybe reflect on a time when you yourself have refused to be comforted, because it's okay to be there. It's okay to be there when others you are with tell God just where God can go. You don't have to protect God from their pain or try to shush them and keep them from saying such things, God can take it. Have you ever been so angry or full of anguish that you at least thought of God telling God where God can go? I suspect many more of us have actually done it than we feel we can admit to it. Psalm 77, at least for me, lets us know we're not alone and that God understands and is waiting when we do remember. Bert, thank you. That was beautiful and powerfully done, and I'm so sorry to hear about your 
so your cousin, time doesn't heal all wounds, does it? Mm. As I read the the first several verses of Psalm seventy seven, one maybe it's the the grammar snob in me, but I, I I'm just looking at the the tenses here. First two verses are present tense. I cry aloud. I seek the Lord. My hand is stretched out. My soul refuses. Then in next several verses, I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work. But that's one day. That's not today. Today, I'm crying aloud, and I'm troubled, and my hand is stretched out, and my soul refuses. It, it just, just even in the language, it's a testimony that it's okay to not be there yet, so to speak. You know what I mean? It's, it's okay to say, maybe one day God and I will patch this thing up, but that day's not today. Yeah. And the psalmist's testimony, well, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but one of the reasons that Scripture is so powerful to me is not because it's so sacred or holy or separate, but because it's so real. It's, yes. It's like, yeah, I've been there. I felt that. That's my story, too, kind of thing. I, I'm I'm with Daniel. I appreciate so much that you're willing to be vulnerable in sharing your own story. It's nothing you don't owe that to anybody, and it is a gift that you choose to share it with us. It helped me connect with the psalm a little more deeply, and I I am with you. I think that too often in our culture that we seek to comfort or find comfort. Sometimes it's some form of numbing um, in order to stave off the more difficult feelings of grief and anguish and sadness. Mm. I think that very often in our culture, for whatever reason, I mean, we could talk about all the reasons why, but I don't really think that matters. It's just, it's enough to acknowledge like in our culture, we do not do well with those hard feelings. Um, we have a difficult time sitting with them. We have a difficult time letting other people sit with their own grief and anguish. We want to be there to give a casserole and a tissue and, and <laughs> tell the joke that kind of makes the person light up and remember something good. Uh, but those feelings serve a purpose. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about the lament Psalms in general um, and the lament passages that we find in scripture, whether that's in the book of Lamentations or what we find in the book of Job or anywhere else throughout scripture or Jesus hanging on the cross. Lament carries you through taking time to name what is true even if it is not true for all time. Okay, right? Think about that. Taking time to name what is true, that feeling of whatever it is, is it, God, get out of here. I, I don't even want to talk to you or God, why aren't you around? I can't feel your presence at all. Or God, if this is your plan, you can go somewhere all of those things can be true. They can be things that we feel and experience. And if we don't take the time to name them and let our whole bodies feel them, then we it becomes very difficult to genuinely move on and to move through 
to a place where we can have a sense of more hope, where we can peek out the door to see if God is still standing there, if God is still there waiting on us, like you were talking about with parents. So I think the, the, la- the laments in scripture give us such a gift um, that we do not often enough unwrap. So I, I know better than to ask either or questions because <laughs> binary thinking is so dangerous. But I'm, so both of y'all have mentioned, and Bert, I think, I think the way you put it was like, you know, the, the child saying to the parent, I hate you and slamming the bedroom door. Yeah. And is it that God says, you know what, you need some space, I'll give you some space? Or is it that God says, you're hurting, you're angry, I'm here, I will be here when you're ready. Both of those are such beautiful ways that God parents us, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why I'm, I'm trying to bifurcate this, but it, it, it seems like it would be two different responses. Does God stay there with us until we're ready, or does God back up and give us space? As it's so many things, like I want to say both. Yeah, because yeah, you know, yeah. because it's a, it, it's both are needed. You know what I mean? Right. It's, oh, I yeah. agree. Oh, think think about this. Think of think you, somebody mentioned Job, right? No, not Job. I'm sorry, Jonah. Okay. Somebody mentioned Job. Yes, but think of Jonah, right? He gets pretty ticked off when God saves the Ninevites because God ain't <laughs> supposed to do that. Yeah. And what yeah. does God? He throws his fist up. He stomps. He yells. He has a a little hissy fit, and God just gives him a little tree to keep him, gives him some shade and backs off, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, get over. And and you yeah. know, if you're a parent, you know how to do that. You've done that with your child, especially when they're, what, two or three? You just got to, you back off <laughs> and you make sure they're going to be okay and let them yeah, scream I, and yell and kick. <laughs> I think it's both. I think it's, I think it's both. I think also sometimes when we don't hear God, I I think this is true for me. So I assume it is true for some other humans in the world that sometimes when I am angry, when I am in a place of anguish or despair or deep grief, those things are so loud within my soul. I can't hear anything else. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Even if God was talking straight to me, that's the inconsolable part. It's the, I can't see past the grief at that moment. And you have to let yourself just be there until it starts to release a little so that you can look up and see what's around and begin to take steps forward. But there are those times when you're just so overwhelmed by what has happened. Mm -hmm. I think about the families of the people killed in Buffalo or the parents of those children in Uvalde that the way that they're feeling right now is overwhelming. It is all encompassing grief um, because it's so complicated and so violent uh, that it would be difficult to hear anything else for a while. I think it reminds me of the Henry Nowen. Quote, when we are crushed like grapes, we cannot even imagine the wine that we will become. Mm. And, it, it, and it's not, it's the way he talks about it, it's not emphasizing that the wine that we will become, but that when we're crushed, we, we cannot even envision a better path. Yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And, and I remember 
while we're quoting others, Christ, our, our friend Crystal Shepherd talking about, you know, the when people are hurting, we often try to give them platitudes or move them to a better place or, you know, and, and she says, it's, that's not what they need. That's what you think you need because we're so uncomfortable with the pain and grief of others or the silence that we can't just say, you know what, I'm, I'll sit here with you. We have to somehow move to a new place when that is not what is helpful. That's not what is needed. That's not, it's not certainly not what God does. And I don't think we ought to either. I remember when I, I used to work in a psychiatric hospitals for children and youth, and we would keep a stack of old phone books, yellow pages. And for our, our younger listeners, these are, these are large <laughs> volumes. <laughs> <laughs> that were <laughs> that were for a specific city or geographical area that listed all the names of people and businesses and such. You've seen them at grandma's house. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what we would hand them to a child or a teenager that was angry about something. And say, it looks like you might need to spend some time tearing this up. And we just let them rip that thing to shreds. We just let them tear it up. It was okay. Don't do that with your cell phones. But it was a useful <laughs> exercise at the time because I think it, it honestly said, you're feeling angry and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And here's a way to deal with it that's not going to hurt anybody. And hopefully not themselves either. Getting it out is helpful. I have a, a friend who's a, a therapist and she keeps a, um, she keeps a punching bag. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the corner of her office. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, we are created with powerful emotions and they arise and they have to be dealt with. Uh, they're not just going to go quietly away. Uh, we even have books in the Bible like Lamentations, which I know is a favorite book for many of us. <laughs> <laughs> I actually know someone for whom Lamentations, if you ask them what their favorite book of the Bible is, is they would say lamentations. Do you know it's, who this person is? It's David Adams, isn't it? No, no. Oh. Although it could be, but I'm thinking of someone else. It's my friend Jim Dant. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, it does. It does. And he actually he wrote a book. I'm holding it up like y'all can see it, but it's called Finding Your Voice: How to Speak Your Heart's True Faith. And in it, thank you. Bert's got his copy right there. See. I have um, one, just not with me. Just not with you. Okay. Mine's autographed. Oh, well. <laughs> it, it's a really nice book because in it, Jim tries to help us develop language to talk about parts of our faith and our lives and our journeys that we often aren't equipped to talk about at church. And so th there's one part of the book where he, um, it, it, the, the title of the chapter is God. And he's talking about how we talk about God at church and how we don't talk about God. He says, we shape God by the Psalms we choose to read, the hymns we choose to sing, and the language adopted in sermons. When was the last time an angry psalm was read in morning worship? Have the words of Psalm 137 ever rung through our church's rafters? Is there a time when it needs to be read? Of course, that's that's the psalm that includes the passage, Happy shall they be who take your little ones and dash them against the rock. There's real anger in that psalm. Anyway, he goes on to say, When was the last time we lamented 
in corporate worship? Does the congregation ever have a right to vent its deepest complaints to God with no quick reverential apologies to follow? If we haven't engaged in this ancient form of prayer, we have ignored the book of Lamentations and about a third of the Psalms. We manage God in worship. We manage God in the church's educational systems and evangelical endeavors. We teach our children in the world an appropriate theological understanding of God. Couched in creed and doctrine are the safe words we want people to know and hold and believe. And while all these words are good, don't hear me wrong, I love and cling to the sacred words of the church. It must be stated also that God is not always safe. God is mysterious and uncontrollable. We were never intended to contain God in our phrases and in our hearts. We were intended to surrender ourselves and fall faithfully into the arms of a God we cannot fully understand. God is mysterious, and I'm comfortable falling into that mystery. Good words from Jim Dant. As we are walking through the Psalms, trying to hear them honestly, and trying to see how they helped us also face the aspects of our lives that are sometimes not so easy to deal with. Thank you all for this good conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Subscribe to the Faith Element Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Learn more about our Faith Element Bible Study curriculum at faithelement.net. Faith Element is a service of Faith Lab.